Welcome, everybody. Good morning to the Workers' Mic on 720 WGN. I'm Phil Davidson from the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council, and it is my pleasure to have co-hosting the show with me for the first time ever, uh, the newly appointed political director at the Chicago Federation of Labor, Izzy Doble. Hey, good, thanks for having me on this morning. Good morning, Izzy. I was about to say, please welcome Izzy, but like, there's no one here to welcome you. So, I had to... <laughs> Round of applause. Thank <laughs> round of applause. If you're listening at home, give her a round of applause. Thank you. Uh, Ken and Ed are both absent today, and uh, Izzy is uh, very knowledgeable, very smart about what's going on in Illinois government, Chicago uh, government and politics, and uh, we're very, very fortunate to have her. So tell us a little bit about your new role. Congratulations. Yeah, um, thank this, you so this, much. this is a new position for you, correct? Yes, yes, it is. It's also the first time, in, I think, in a decade that we've split up our legislative and political work. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I came in with the CFL about a year ago as the Deputy Director of Government Affairs. Okay. So I work with Andrea Kluger, who's our Deputy Chief of Staff. Yes, no of, Andrea. Yep, Government Affairs. She is brilliant. Um, and so running, you know, I started literally the week that everybody for the Chicago Municipals filed. So it was like, everyone and their mom is running for office now. Oh, gosh. Um, Your phone's yeah. been blowing up. Yeah, yeah. right. All 50, all 50 the seats were up, right? Yeah. And then we had the, the mayor, the city clerk, the treasurer, and so many more in the suburbs. So it was pedal to the metal, and I got to like really learn the process of the CFL, how those endorsements go. Um, it's a very democratic process. Um, and then, of course, once we do our endorsements, I small got to... D, small D democratic. Yeah, yes. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> um, right. For, for union members. Yes. Um, but yeah, then be able to run like all of our mail programs and political organizing and um, digital for all of these races and the candidates that we know are going to be union and labor allies. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. And uh, the Chicago Federation of Labor is basically the umbrella for all the unions that fall within Cook County, correct? Correct. Yeah, okay. we have 300 affiliates. Um, there are three uh, Over 500,000 people are represented by those 300 affiliates in, in Cook County. So... We've got everyone from airline pilots to zookeepers. Uh, I love when Bob says that because it truly is any unionized worker. You know, we've got people in government. We've got people in nonprofits. At the end of the day, you know, solidarity holds strong and we're always looking out for working people. And what did you do prior to this? Yeah, so I've been in the political world for for seven years now doing campaigns from local level. Um, been on a gubernatorial race. I was on the Biden's campaign in 2020. I actually was in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, Deputy Director of Operations. Uh, that was chaotic. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, it's uh, being able to open field offices and have like a presence in the middle of a pandemic. But I think that was a puzzle for all of us. Yeah. Um, and you then, must be a glutton for punishment because yeah. <laughs> working in politics is grueling. Uh, that's yeah. all I can tell you. Yeah. yeah. I'm scrappy. That's, yeah. that's, I think that's what works out really well. It's <laughs> okay. the campaign world is scrappy and being able to you know, be a make it happen person. Um, awesome. Yeah. So most recently was on the governor's campaign as a women's outreach director and was waiting for the opportunity to, you know, get involved with unions. I've always wanted to advocate for working people more and more deeply. And so it's really connected to my story as an immigrant. So it was, it was a great opportunity. And now I'm a year in and really honored to be the political director to be able to oversee all of our political programming and our endorsement process. That is fantastic, and we really appreciate you being here. We've got such a great show for you to be involved with and uh, hear your perspective. We have uh, a representative, good friend of mine and relative, uh, Brian Shanahan from the Transportation and Communications Union. He's going to talk about some issues going on with railroad labor. And uh, towards the uh, later part of the show, we're going to have someone from the UAW talk about what's going on with the strike. John Gedney, one of their political coordinators. Very excited to talk to him. A lot happening in that world as well. So uh, we'll be right back. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to The Workers' Mic on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. 
Welcome back to the Workers' Mic on 720 WGN. I'm Phil Davidson from the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council, and with me is co-host extraordinaire Izzy Doble. Thanks again, Izzy. Ken and Ed, watch out. This girl's got the good, so she might have taken you out of a job. And we have a, a special guest uh, in the studio with us, a man who uh, is very close to me. He's my brother-in-law, but he's also a tremendous union leader himself, uh, Vice President for the TCU Transportation Communications Union, Brian Shanahan. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Izzy, for having me on today. Absolutely. I'm really glad to be sitting next to you this early in the morning on a Sunday, Phil. It's something that we forget how to do. Hey, we're family, man. This is what we do. We hang out. We, we love each other. We work together. We play together. We do radio together. I think you're taking that a little bit too far together. <laughs> I went way too far with that. They're like, are these guys have a relationship? No. Um, we're good here. We're good. Welcome, Brian. Uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in the world of uh, rail labor. But let's let's give our listeners an overview uh, at the start. A lot of people don't know how rail labor works. Um, tell us about what your union, you know, who you guys represent, and what your role is, and then we'll talk about you know just rail labor as a whole. Absolutely. Um, so I come from Metra, actually where I started my career. So I'm a Chicago native, which is pretty awesome to say, but I get to go across the country. So what's unique about rail labor? Well, number one, we're spread out everywhere. So most people think, like my counterpart here, Izzy, that we only represent certain territories in Illinois. Sorry, wrong. We go everywhere. We do everything. So I work for the Transportation Communications Union. We're merged with the machinist. And I consider us like a catch-all union. So we even represent Disney workers. Um, we go from intermodal truck to train to commuters, um, freight, you name it, we do it. So there's 12 different rail labor unions. Some of them are merged, some of them are standalone, but it's pretty unique in that sense. But it's a, a great thing when we all get along. And that sometimes we do that, and we do that pretty well, too. And, and what... So what are the different divisions of labor on the railroad? So you, you represent... Uh, agents, clerks, uh, carmen, I know. What do some of the other unions represent? Well, we have my brother, my other brother, not this uh, brother-in-law, which is Rob Shannon. He represents maintenance away workers, so they fix the tracks and building structures. So that's the Brotherhood of Maintenance Way employees, and they're a division of the Teamsters. And then you also have the locomotive and engineers who drive the train, and they're a division of the Teamsters. Then you have sheet metal, which is smart. So you have conductors, um, and then you also have like a building trades division of sheet metal, and the list goes on and on and on. So the cool part about rail labor is we're merged with some big unions, so when people start coming knocking on us, we have a lot of friends, too. So that's awesome. And then that part of us actually develops where we are kind of like our own unions in the union, too. So we tend to work together a lot um, legislatively and in contract bargaining. Got it. And is is there uh, a rail division in CFL? Do you have members from yeah we have a whole transportation committee so we have um the cfl represents 300 unions across cook county um which represent 500,000 members across the city so and of course our suburbs so yes you know we work with tcu all the time um and there's just so many other issue areas that we've been focusing on and making sure that you know transportation is uh taking a big stance absolutely and what's talk about the the state of affairs with uh, rail labor, maybe uh, as it pertains to commuters, um, I think that's what a lot of listeners at this uh, point can probably relate to the most. Um, everything has changed, obviously now post COVID with metro ridership, um, schedules are changing. Uh, there's talk of you know possibly consolidating and having a unified system. Would love to hear your thoughts on uh, you know kind of where things stand. 
Absolutely. So the one thing that I want to point out is Izzy's being very humble. Um, rail labor is like herding cats. So <laughs> okay. we actually have developed and worked with the CFL to form this transportation group along with ATU, and our partnership has grown immensely. So all these rail unions have gotten really, really involved with the Chicago Federation of Labor, and they've been a great support system, her, Bob, and Andrea. So that's been a fantastic thing for us. And as we go through the change of Metra, Pace, and CTA, and what's possibly going to happen with the CMAP report, we're all locked up on this. So that's really cool to have going on, and the CFL has been a great advocate for us. They've actually set up meetings and had discussions with us and CMAP. So on that thing hits the legislature, we're going to have a say, hopefully, as we go on. And what's, what is is a CMAP? So CMAP is making an approach on what they're going to do with the service boards, because in this country today, almost every commuter agency is going to hit a fiscal cliff, and Metro, Pace, and CTA are going to hit a fiscal cliff. In the unfortunate piece, or a little bit of history, we have the RTA, which is the overlay, then you have Metro, Pace, and CTA. So when an issue when the RTA was brought up and born, it was one service board, and then they made separate divisions because they thought we were all unique. But Oddly enough, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're constantly competing with each other for money, and we're constantly worried about funding issues. And, for example, um, on the Metro Electric and University Park, you had a staircase that literally crumbled and fell down. And these yes. are like one of 10,000 infrastructure issues, right? So we need to develop a regional plan because of COVID and things have changed. So getting the three service boards to work together is one challenge on top of a funding challenge, and where are we going to get the money? So we need to provide a different type of service than what people are used to because the nine to five commuters are moving away from that. And we're having more of like a regional rail approach and how we do that is going to be something that the Illinois legislature has to step in and help out um, and to make, you know, people work together. Yeah. So it, it, it is definitely a unique time. Um, and we've had some tough uh, issues and tough battles with Metra too in bargaining recently. So Hopefully we can work together for the... You, you currently have a contract with Metro, though, right? We do, but yeah. we're actually going back into bargaining next year. So um, we had um, uh, tumultuous last round. So for the first time ever, we had to coalition bargain at Metro, and the Chicago Federation of Labor was a huge part of that. So they helped develop the transportation group, and they helped... Is he patting yourself on the back <laughs> right now? Well, they, they were, um, which led to us throwing a gigantic rally and basically awaking real labor again in this state and being a part of political functions, things like Mm -hmm. that, being, you know, there with everyone and even taking recognition with the other unions we traditionally didn't work with was like ATU, stuff like that. So now we like to uh, stick together, as they say, very much so. And what people need to remember is we're under a different law than ATU. So we have a different set of things that need to happen before we can strike. Um, so the ATU are the people who work for uh, CTA, who work for the buses, who work for the yeah. subway. Yeah, right. Yes, and there's all sorts of different unions. I'm just naming ATU because that's a pretty heavily yeah, it's a big you know, one there. So, again, I, I can't thank the Chicago Federation of Labor enough, but um, I'm not going to fly on this microphone right now to my brother-in-law or <laughs> Izzy because uh, I think it might be a tough round again next round, especially with the, the financial uncertainty moving forward, unless if we can figure out a way to make folks work together. So Yeah, yeah. And how, how you know, how do you work with them, Izzy, from the CFL side? Not just real labor unions, but all unions. Like what mm-hmm. what um is your involvement, you know, when they go to bargaining sessions and um stuff like that? So, you know, we're always there to be an ally and support all of our unions once they're going into those conversations. You know, a lot of them are there are closed room conversations between the management and the union, but we're always here to support. 
um, in any way that that service might look like. If there's an action, especially, you know, we're on the line, we're planning, you know, a rally with WGA, we're planning rallies with SAG-AFTRA, we're planning, like, if there's ever a time that an affiliate reaches out to us, we're ready to go. Yeah. Um, So that could be great communication support, um, getting the message out. It could be holding elected officials accountable. You know, we we love our allies that are here to support labor, but we got to make sure that we hold them to their feet to the fire a little to make sure they're actually coming through. Um, but so there's tons of opportunities for that. Yeah. Um, drafting legislation. You know, Andrea is our deputy, uh, deputy chief of staff who runs all of our legislative affairs. And she is always in Springfield, always pushing to advance the, the lives of working people. So we have been always in support of TCU and what they're working on. And I know that the next few years to get that funding is going to be a challenge. But the solidarity is going to stay. And the accountability is something that, like, we're going to have to make sure we're keeping into account yeah you the, the cfl is the muscle for uh for everyone and and I, I can't imagine i mean it's hard enough to keep tabs on just one individual union and the inner workings of it in the politics like i have to do for the carpenters but yeah. um to keep tabs on how many unions are part of the cfl over 300 300 and yeah. understand all those different uh bargaining negotiations and uh jurisdictional disputes man that is yeah that is a lot to to grasp bob likes to say you know we represent airline pilots to zookeepers to xylophonists (laughs) to (laughs) boilermakers we do everything truly each with their own unique set of uh of issues Mm -hmm. to overcome um well going back to to the rail uh unions will you being yourself brian you know other members of leadership will you have an active uh, voice in the conversations about how you'd like to see um, commuter rail turn in the next coming years, you know, when it comes to scheduling, when it comes to services. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of that will be looked at and, and uh, discussed by the leadership of the different commuter operations. But I'm just wondering, like, what voice will the unions have in that? Well, that's a great question. I guess I should ask another question. What happens if we don't have a voice? Uh, yeah. So right. there there is going to be something the unions do yeah we're not going away so i want to be very clear uh, on this radio show right now that we are going to be a part of this whether people like it or not we are going to be holding people accountable i think um a lot of people out there are really well aware springfield's really well aware i mean the state fed is we are on the move so again once this there's different um ideas you know they can keep the structure the same they have different options three different options essentially you know, go down to one service board, still keep things a little bit separated where there's advisory groups. But I think whatever we do when we we have to transition with this, and there should be some sort of advisory board set up between labor and management for this transition, because we really are the resident experts. We we do make that thing happen, and that's the railroad or the transportation sector. You know, we drive the buses, we fix the trains, we do everything. And I hate to break it to you, but uh, the people in the ivory towers don't do that very well. <laughs> no, no, yeah. they're not not what they're equipped to do, basically. Yeah, and the other thing I want to point out too about um, so we have our counterparts is uh, sheet metal, right? So we have transportation, and the yep. one thing that um, Izzy's counterpart did, Andrea, was help push through House Bill uh, thirteen forty two, which was the assault on transit workers, and it's holding people accountable. So her and I know Bob Guy from Sheet Metal and Orlando Rojas were huge advocates of this bill. And so was the CFL. So I just want to say thanks for that, too. Um, it's starting to hold passengers accountable because a lot of people get assaulted or even my yeah. members get assaulted verbally or physically. Take out their frustrations on the workers. Yeah. Right. Well, that's because we don't have a good regional rail approach. So I kind of get it, too. So we have yeah. to really yeah. work on that. But yeah. yeah. So that's something I, I'm really proud of the CFL worked on, too. That's awesome. I didn't know about that one. Was that passed in the last session? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's uh, 
different things and the cfl was great advocates and we worked with atu and we had calls and we had their leadership with us and they were really pressing it so that's the power of the cfl yeah what, what's going on uh on the federal level i know um the big newsmaker last year was or was it earlier this year when um your members who work on the freight railroads finally got sick days for paid leave because that is something that was never available to members who worked on the railroads, which is crazy that if you were sick, you literally couldn't take a day off, um, which is something that most people in uh, in America, you know, especially in the corporate world, can now enjoy. And it was unfair that you guys didn't have that protection, but that was since passed. Um, I, I know there's uh, upcoming contract negotiations as well, but just wondering um, if you could tell us a little bit about where that stands. I like to think of labor in general right now as a moment in time. And we're all having that moment, whether it's UAW, I know is going to be on the show, or we see the actors striking. I, I just was telling somebody, I turned on CNN, and I see all this union activity, right? I mean, when's the last time you've seen a president stand on a picket line, right. if ever? Right. I don't think that's ever happened, right? Yeah. So we went through this tough round of bargaining on the freight side. Um, so we, we have all these big class one railroads, BN, think of that, UP, CN, um, and they're really not fun just to be upfront. So think about all of us. We really had to stick together and that's mm-hmm. what they did. So the FL's department of transportation really helped out too with this. Um, and there's a lot of people that were pushing behind this, but we ended up in a presidential emergency board. So when that happened, um, we got an award that came back that was pretty darn favorable, but we still have to mm-hmm. ratify a contract and do all that stuff. And the, one of the biggest issues is we didn't get sick days. So there's during a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, it's pretty disheartening. I think when people find that out, it's like almost unreal and they think that how could that be in this day and age? And it's true, you know, and I think the pandemic in particular, um, we had a lot of members pass away. It was really hard because I don't think there was a pandemic playbook, but we had to keep working because things had to be moved via COVID. Essential workers. Yeah. And, you know, especially like my intermodal group and stuff and just, it was surreal to watch. So them not having sick days. Um, I think about all those people every day. Kudos to you and everyone else and, uh, you know, keep up the good fight. I appreciate that. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a great, uh, combination of people working together. Yeah. yeah. It's all about man. Well, uh, we got to take a break here, but thank you very much for coming in. Uh, you did an excellent job, young man. I'm not just saying that cause I'm biased here, but, uh, uh, thank you. I, I really appreciate that, but you're not that much older than me, so it's kind of been more awkward. So let's, I'm saying that because I think I it's know, funny. I know. This guy's wet behind the ears, a little whippersnapper. It's but, fine. You'll uh, see each other at the barbecue later. It'll all be all right. fine. That's right. That's yeah, right. we'll work it out. Well, thanks again for coming in, Brian. Uh, we'll be right back on the Worker's Mic on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back to the Workers' Mic on 720 WGN. I'm Phil Davidson from the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council, here with Izzy Doble from the Chicago Federation of Labor, and we have a guest on the line who's got some stuff to talk about that is hot off the press, uh, the UAW strike that uh, is really kind of taking over the nation right now. Um, Our guest is uh, John Gedney. He is the UAW Region 4 Political Director. Why why, why don't we jump into, John, we had, uh, well, you had... Uh, President Biden visiting a picket line in Michigan, which we talked about is the first time a sitting president has uh, joined a union on strike. And talk a little bit about, you know, what that meant for your members, um, you know, what type of impact you think this could have, if it gives you any bargaining leverage. Um, Obviously, like I said before, this is the first time something like that's ever happened. 
Yes, it was historic, and I want to make it very clear that President Biden was there for one reason and one reason only. He understands the solidarity and the power of the people. Uh, that's why he was there visiting and walking with those picketers. Absolutely. Um, do, 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 does it give your members a boost to see the president show up there? I mean, obviously, um, there's there's some things that um, you know still need to be discussed with the president about how you're going to figure out what's going to happen um, with with supporting the EV vehicles. But um, just, just kind of wondering, like the general sense of wow. I mean, we this 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 is huge. This is this is it's the, the biggest issue happening in the United States right now. Well, definitely historic, but like I said, the president was there for one reason, one reason only. He understands the solidarity of the, the workers. Mm-hmm. Um, as a morale boost, certainly it, it boosted the morale, but we have a very capable negotiating team. Uh, the White House is not involved in our negotiations, nor will they be. That's great. Got it. Um, if we If we can go into that topic that I mentioned before about uh, electric vehicles. I know that's a big part of the crux of what you're trying to, um, you know, figure out here as as you're uh, bargaining on behalf of your members. Like, what what threat do electric vehicles pose to the members of the UAW? Well, the UAW is more than ready to lead the auto industry into the green economy, but there has to be a place for workers to land that gives the, gives them the first shot at these new jobs with the same pay and safety standards UAW members have today. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, forcing workers to decide between green jobs and good jobs is a false choice. The big three are attempting to exploit the transition to EVs uh, and create a race to the bottom, creating low road jobs and undercut pay and safety standards. UAW has set in uh, one in this industry. Every time these corporations say they need to be competitive, it's secret code for um, um, a race to the bottom. Right. Workers don't care whether they're making internal combustible engines or battery engines. They care about having good jobs, union jobs that allow them to raise their family, buy a home, save for the future, and retire with dignity. Every auto Absolutely. job should have the same standard UAW has fought for in one generation's of auto workers. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. Agree, I couldn't agree with We're you more. We're prepared and willing to willing to uh, uh, make that transition. I love to hear it. So, John, this is Izzy. What is the the level of solidarity you've seen across the labor movement in this moment? Like I've never seen in my thirty year career. Wow. Uh, but again, this is this is history in the making, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people have an opportunity to stand up against corporate greed, and I want to make it very clear that that's what it's clearly about. Right. Uh, corporations have made record profits uh, at the tone of uh, a quarter of a trillion dollars. Uh, just in the last six months, the big three in North America have made $21 billion in profits. Uh, they've given themselves 40% raise increases, increased the cost of a vehicle by 30%, uh, yet our w- wages have only risen 6%. Uh, we made concessions in 2008. We saved the auto industry. Uh, and the corporations are very profitable, and it's now mm-hmm. time for them to uh, sit down and have serious conversations about paying that back to the workers that help them be profitable. They could double our wages and still make record profits. Oh, for sure. And I know that the the slogan I've been seeing is the record profits, record contracts, right? Absolutely. And I want to make it very clear, you know, years ago, uh, the UAW set the standard uh, for good-paying jobs and mm-hmm. wages and benefits. 
the gold standard, right? We want to get back to that. Uh, this is not just a fight of just us, but it's a fight for justice for workers across America. Oh, I love that. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. No, absolutely not. I can't, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, you know, this this battle here is really about the future of the middle class, correct? I mean, if, if, if you can't provide union workers with a sustainable wage that could uh, allow them to provide for their families, what, what, what do we have anymore in this country? I mean, it really is. It's right. about protecting the middle class. And if you lose that, because, um, I mean, I've, I've seen what you're bargaining for. I've seen what you're asking for. You know, these people aren't going to be rich. They're, they're just looking to be able no. to afford homes to be able to send their kids to school to have a, a good middle class lifestyle and uh, you know you take that away then what do we have anymore well said you know we're not fighting for the whole pie like the companies want right. right they want the whole pie the whole island we want our uh, piece of the pie our fair share so we can live our life with dignity provide for our families and communities because when we do better our Everybody. communities do better right? mm-hmm. yep yeah Absolutely. And, you know, for some of the listeners who might not know of, like, the, the large pillars that you are advocating for, would you be able to share what you're fighting for in the contract? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'd like to uh, end the tiers. You know, right now there's a two-tier wage system, uh, which takes an employee eight years to get up to full rate. Um, in comparison to our wages uh, just 10 years ago, uh, they're making $10 less wow. uh, if we were to compare those wages today. Uh, to restore the cost of living, COLA, right? And you've seen, uh, um, we've seen high inflation. Um, we want to restore COLA, job security, um, and to prevent uh, plants from closing and, and, and uh, moving our products overseas or to other countries. Uh, there has to be some kind of job security in this agreement mm-hmm. because it is the workers to make the profits for the companies, and they need to recognize that. And nobody does it better than the workers at UAW. They produce a high-quality vehicle. Uh, nobody does it faster. Nobody does it better. Absolutely. And it truly, it's the bar, right? Like, you're asking for true true dignity and respect in, in your worth and the work that you do for this country. So I, I'm hoping that you're going to get there soon. Yeah, we do, too. But, uh, um, you know, uh, just recently, like uh, President Fain announced, there was some record movement with uh, Stellanus today. Uh, therefore, there wasn't a Solanus facility called out. I hope that that continues, and I hope that the other two uh, of the big three uh, sit down and get serious. Our proposals were presented weeks prior to the beginning of negotiations, and then not till the final hours do they want to sit down and have a conversation about those issues that are uh, pressing for our members. And that's yeah. what it's all about. It's about our members. Yeah, that's that's very encouraging to hear that about Solantis. Um you are the uh, political coordinator for Region 4 of the UAW, and uh, tell us about, you know, all the jurisdiction that you cover there. So in Region 4, Region 4 covers 12 states. I am the political coordinator under the direction of Director Brandon Campbell and Assistant Director Lucas Spain for Illinois. I only mm-hmm. cover Illinois. Now, my counterparts might say, you know, he only has one state. Uh, Illinois is a big state. <laughs> it's early. Yes, it is. And how, um, you know, working with uh, elected officials here, which is part of your role, um, what has been the response you've been uh, getting from them? Um, are, are they standing with you? Um, are, or do they understand what's, you know, at, at stake here? 
we've seen a lot of positive response. We need to see more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as the strike continues, uh, it shouldn't be just about a photo opportunity. Um, we should have our elected officials in our uh, state houses uh, speaking out, our community leaders speaking out, and our affiliates speaking out uh, about the injustices done to the, to the UAW members over the years and the importance of, of bargaining a fair and good contract for them. Uh, so we want to see more, and we want it to yeah. continue, right? Uh, they can do more, and they need to do more. Mm-hmm. But we do appreciate those that have shown up so far. Yeah. And and tell us one more time, you have how many members on strike nationwide, and again, how many on strike here in Illinois? So nationwide right now we have 25,000 members as of noon today. Uh, Illinois, we have almost 4,000 members at the Ford facility and another couple hundred at the two supplier uh, facilities, one GM supplier facility in Bolingbrook and a Stellantis supplier facility in Naperville. Okay, got it. And, and um, we got to take a break shortly here, but before we let you go, what can our listeners do to help? What, what, what can people sitting at, him, at home do who want to get involved, who want to stand in solidarity and help our brothers and sisters who are out right now uh, on strike? Well, they can visit the picket line, obviously. Uh, they can stand up and uh, ask their community leaders to stand up and make statements. Um, and uh, provide the necessary resources that our members may need as the strike continues. Because uh, it isn't easy to survive on strike pay, um, but they're willing to uh, do that uh, to win a fair and just contract. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, well, John, thank you so much for your time. We know uh, there's so much happening with you, and, and you've got a very hectic schedule. So um, we, we can let you go, but thanks again. And, uh, yeah, we stand in solidarity with you, and uh, give them hell. I appreciate what you guys do, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on today. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. All right, we will be right back with the Workers' Mic on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back to the Workers' Mic on 720 WGN. I'm Phil Davidson here with Izzy Doble. And, uh, wow, we had some really great conversation there with John, with Brian. Learned a lot about railroad labor. Oh, yeah. The strike. Very uh, very inspiring words from yeah. John about what's going on. And, um, you know, the uh, the solidarity that's being shown across the country is, is yeah. outstanding. We're rolling from hot labor summer to hot labor fall. It's not stopping. No, the train keeps rolling. That's right. Hot labor summer. So long. Here we go. Hot labor fall. Um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, while we uh, before we wrap up the show here. Let's talk about some uh, issues that are that, that we're seeing that uh, you could probably talk about. Um, one of which was the the big news uh, in Illinois this week was about Speaker Welch proposing uh, legislation that would allow his staff to organize. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously in the state of Illinois, we have a lot of public employees who are members of unions, but um, legislative staff, and it's there's a lot of them in Illinois because yeah. of such a big state with a big government, they have been exempted from that. And they've, yeah, they've always served. It's a, it's a tough job. It's a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure who, but someone from his staff started leading in, in, an effort to start organizing them. And, you know, when those things happen, there's a lot of uh, push and pull. There's a lot of figuring out how this is going to work. But um, the speaker, you know, he came through this week and said, yeah. He's going to, you know, commit to introducing legislation, mm-hmm. and that's about 
where my knowledge ends on this topic. So I'm going <laughs> to turn it over to you, Izzy, yeah. and, and tell us a little more about you know what's going on with that. Yeah, well, Speaker Welch has been a great ally to labor. It makes me very, personally very excited. You know, I used to work in uh, a district office, and and that work is hard. You know, it's, it's really evenings, hard. it's it's weekends, it's. Um, back to back to back, you know, you could be getting a call from a constituent and then you're getting a call about policy and then you're getting a call about a parade you got to be at. Like, it is it is go, go, go kind of work. And because those too. are, you know, political appointee jobs, there was like, oh, well, they're, they're carved out. But, um, you know, they're, they're still workers. Like, they still deserve to have, you know, the, the dignity with their pay and their benefits and to make sure that their life can be, you know, thriving just as much as whoever they're working for. So it makes me very excited to see him taking the charge and, and listening to the staff and working alongside them because it is um, very specific in this um, instance that you have to introduce a piece of legislation for it to happen, right? Right. Rather than like, oh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna file, we're going to do an election. It's it's They have to even be allowed to do it. <laughs> right. right. And we would be, I think, the first state in the Not nation? First, uh, California um, and Washington, I think, have gotten that movement going, too. But, hey... We're still there. We're still right <laughs> That's there. all that matters is that our workers are, they, are, gonna are they, they actually? Need. Do they actually have a contract though? They're, they're, I don't know if they have a formal contract, but this wouldn't be a contract for us either, right? It would just allow them to begin. Okay. The process. Begin the process, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I think you're right about that. I don't think any state has actually gone through and has a contract. Correct. Somebody, I thought I read that recently. Yeah. So we would be, you know, on the vanguard there, and yeah. Yeah, I, I myself in a previous life worked in a district office, and yeah, it, it's grueling. And, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the uh, the idea is, you, you know, you, you do that grunt work and you um, climb the ladder and, and look for um, other opportunities down the road, but still, you know, everyone yeah. needs... you're a public servant, you know, it's beautiful servant. to serve your community, but you also got to pay your student loans. Pay the bills, you, exactly. You got to yeah. pay for your car, and yeah, especially, shouldn't be one or the other. Because these are jobs that generally generally go to, you know, kids coming out of college, mm-hmm. out of grad school, who are, you know, drowning in debt, and got to pay them a good and decent wage so they can, uh, and, and then give them the protections, yeah, because, right. you know, working seven days a week, 12-hour days, it's right. like, hey, someone's got to give here. And if you're trying to fight attrition, too, right, like, the, the best workers are there for longer, they learn the process, they're able to move through faster. Like, what is it, the first six months to a year of your job, you're just figuring out how to open your email, right. you know, like, right. yeah. and get acclimated. And, I have no idea. What right. right. Yeah. <laughs> what is an email? But <laughs> if you if you get burned out, then they just keep, you know, going through and going through, and yeah. you, you, you lose a lot of... Uh, professionalism in there very true um we also mentioned during the break uh yeah yesterday there was uh a rally symposium about the wage gap for latina workers correct Mm -hmm. um tell us a little about that yeah latina women get paid 51 cents to the dollar that a white man would make um 51 cents 51 so like our like like women's payday is like in march and then, like, black women's payday pay is in July, and Latina women's payday is literally in December. Okay. And it's gotten later every year. Um, and this is something that we've seen, you know, it can't get closed with education. It's not like, oh, well, if you get that master's degree, that's what happens. Nope, it's still it's still not closed. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a lot of different factors, right? But, I mean, to no surprise, the number one way to close the, the pay gap is to join a union. Because mm-hmm. you, you get exactly what is on the contract, um, and union women make up to eight, 98 or 99 percent of what um, the highest earners are and like or to have the same as the contract the le- little gap there is just you know making sure the women have the opportunity to like the highest paid job yes um, to getting them up there for like you know especially for in the trades and everything but 
yeah, I mean, I, I lived this life. Like, I, um, I was very honored to be on the panel and really talk about how a union helped me get to where I am. But I was, you know, in a role that I was getting paid fifteen, twenty thousand less than what other people were getting paid in the same job, really, same grueling hours, same, same situation. Um, I asked for what I needed three times, got no's three times, and I had to leave. You know, and yeah. it's tough being an immigrant because you get a lot of. Um, you know, doubt in yourself, like, well, what if I leave, you know, what if I don't ever get this again? Yeah. And maybe I should just be grateful to be here. Yeah, I should just swallow my pride and just take <laughs> totally. it. Totally. Right? Yeah. yeah, and that's, that's what my parents are telling me. Like, mm-hmm. no, you just put your head down and yep. power through. And it's putting my head down and powering through is going to stop me from being yeah. able to, you know, get to my next step and, and really take care of myself. So, um, yeah, since I've, I've had it, I had a different role and then now I'm with the CFL and I'm a dues paying union member of SEIU HCII. So shout out to my local. Good for um, you. Life has only gotten better. Success so I can story. only talk about how much uh, everyone needs to join. That's awesome. No, that's that's so great to hear. And uh, yeah, you brought up one of arguably the most beautiful things. And I'll use the word beautiful about unions is there is no gender gap. There there is no age gap. You all make the same. Right. There's we bargain for the contract together. We get exactly. it done together. We're siblings. Let's yep. go. There's a set wage, no matter your race, creed, color. Everyone gets paid the same, and that is. Um, I mean that's just great that uh, we're all in the same boat together. Yeah, and there's there's no interference about any pre-existing prejudices or whatever is what's driving um, the wage gap in, in other areas of uh, of our economy. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, other good news we could wrap up on here is the screenwriters finally got their deal. We've been talking about this man uh, seemingly every week for the last few months. And uh, there's still yeah. work. There's still work to go on the on behalf of the screen actors, but the writers got it. And from what I read, like they made out pretty well. Um, yeah. I think if you were to, to do a score, they okay. Our our production crew is shaking their heads, but um, they're creatives. I think they, they. I mean, considering how much Hollywood could have still prolonged this. Right. Um, I mean, they were on strike for over 120 days, right? Like second longest ever, you know? And the fact that they got, they're going to get residuals on streaming shows, again, not everyone, but the ones that are top performing, I understand. There's protections against AI. Um, yeah, that's a big one. Got, the, the protections, yeah. we saw so much, I mean, so, there's always so much solidarity right in the labor movement because, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're going to get it th- get through it together, but especially for um, the AI component, that was like the first time that that's been introduced into a contract and like, it might be them first, but it's it's going to keep being a conversation that goes yeah. into all of these negotiations. Yeah, basically saying that you can't use AI in your scripts, basically. Right. Like, they right. have to be written by humans, which is, yeah, right. that's how you protect your livelihood. Right, um, right. And for the screen actors, it also was like, you know, asking to, to use your likeness. Your likeness, right. Yeah, we talked about that on, on the show last week. They don't need you anymore. That's, right. that's a whole other thing. For sure. Um, do you... Uh, there's some screenwriters who are members of cfl mm-hmm. right yes yeah, after is a, a member okay um have you been in conversation with anyone oh, since? yeah yeah okay, yeah um charles is there, is there a lot of elation since um i mean i'll, I'll talk about the screenwriters not not the right, actors yeah right, right yeah they're in the process okay. um i haven't gotten a, like a one-on-one update since but we've i mean we had over three actions over the summer um all had huge turnouts you know working a lot with like the executive director and the president um, but we had, you know, we had the Teamsters out, CTU out. We had, you know, Carpenters, Carpenters Weekend. out. Yeah. We had everybody, you know, because at yeah. the end of the day, like this, this is you today. This is me tomorrow. This is my family, and we're we're gonna really stick it to them. Yeah. So yeah, I was really happy to to see all of that movement. Awesome. 
Well, hey, I think that's all the time we have. Do you want to talk about races at all? Like uh, upcoming political races? Yeah, well, yeah, sorry. We, 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 got, we got like a minute to go here. Um, tell us about what uh, you are the political director. So, what we're in political season here. What uh, races oh, yeah. are you uh, keeping Aren't eye on? Are we always in political season? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 So it, this nev- is, it never ends. Right. So, this is the big, you know, 2024 presidential cycle um, and the primary coming up. So, some of the big races that are coming up in Cook County is, right, Cook County State's Attorney, Clerk of the Circuit Court. Um, two metropolitan water reclamation district seats that are up, a yep. board of review seat, um, and of course, you know our judges, Cook County Circuit Court judges, and the sub circuit judges. So yeah, all right. Well, we got to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Izzy, for coming on the show. Uh, thank again to to Brian and to John. Great conversation, and thank you to our loyal listeners. We will see you next week on the Workers Mike on seven twenty WGN. The preceding episode of The Workers' Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Workers' Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.